This is the Boys Podcast from TV Podcast Industries. We're back talking about The Boys, Season 3, Episode 5, The Last Time You Look on This World of Lies. Allow me to introduce you to the new Head of Crime Analytics, The Deep. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service, Barb. Let's hear it for Barb. Come on. She did great. For someone with no practical experience, it's amazing. <sighs> look... It's always been a big dream of mine to be able to fight crime, both at sea and on land. I'm here to tell you that if you work hard enough, there's nothing you can't achieve. Hashtag dream big, real big, because Vaught will make sure the right man, or, sorry, Barbara, right person, gets the job. So to break the ice, we brought... Cupcakes. Cupcakes. <laughs> From Sprinkles. That's right. Oh, and one more thing. Everyone just needs to sign up for uh, performance reviews. <laughs> just a formality. Nothing to worry about. Welcome back, boys and girls, to TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about The Boys, Season 3, Episode 5, The Last Time to Look on This World of Lies. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. And dialing in from New York City, mm-hmm. I am Chris, home of the soups. I'm not home of the soup. New York City is home of the soups. That's true. That's true. Have you gone up and and, uh, and seen the building where the boys are based? You mean the flat iron? No, I have not gone up there. More because I'm kind of scared of Butcher seeing me as I kind of fanboy out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, that would be dangerous. <laughs> Excellent. But thanks so much for dialing in, Chris. It's, uh, it's good to have you back. We had uh, a special guest star uh, on for our Miss Marvel covers this week. We had Irene uh, returning from her years in exile as a fellow defender, uh, coming back to talk Ooh. about Miss Marvel, which was lovely. Uh, really good to have her back on board. But nice to have you back for the boys. And this is this is your series, right? This is this is 100% mine. And we're going to kick off with some good news. Mm-hmm. We're going to kick off with a piece of news that came broke uh, just a few days. Well, actually, yesterday. Yeah. Season four has been confirmed for the boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have they have just released uh, this episode four and episode four comes out and they announced season four is confirmed and will film later this year. Excellent news. It's huge. It's great. It, this is a this is a well performing show for Amazon. Mm-hmm. This is a well performing uh, IP. Um, obviously, we have Dear Becky, which came out um, over the previous few uh, months and years. The the, the comic book sequel, mm-hmm. um, which came out, and it's just it's a fun thing. It's a fun romp, um, and I, I think the, the it it's everyone likes it. So yeah, keep going until. Exactly. I, what was it like five five seasons and a movie? Let's go six seasons and a movie. How's go. that? There you go. Or yeah, we, we actually get a real dawn of the seven actual release of the cinema. You movie. never know. You never know. It could happen. It could happen. And with Eric Kripke behind the show, it could last fifteen seasons. You know, uh, that's, yes. that's it goes. <laughs> fifteen um, twenty seasons and a, like eight movies. There, exactly. That's what we're going to start chanting. Exactly. Uh, I've also had the spin off as well. The animated spin off uh, Diabolical. They have Diabolical, the, the yeah. one that's going to be set in the college, um, which is coming up and. and has been filmed, still unnamed, uh, but is coming uh, soon. So lots and lots I of boys. I completely content. forgot about that. The teenage mm-hmm. kickstyle style 
um, uh, show. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Um, and when it's in the boys' universe, you know there's going to be gallons of blood, mm-hmm. gallons of uh, swearing. Um, <laughs> it's going to be fun. I, I'm, now, I'm now counting um, profanity in liters of blood styled uh, kind of thing. It just makes more sense when it comes to talking to the boys. <laughs> Excellent. Will we get into talking about this episode of The Boys, Chris? Let's do it. Excellent. Uh, the showrunner for the show is Eric Kripke, uh, as always. Uh, the episode here was written by Nelson Craig. This is his first episode of The Boys, but did previously do a lot of work with Ryan Murphy in the past, working on American Horror Story, American Crime Story, and The Excellent Pose as well. Uh, so great to have Nelson over here working on The Boys. Yeah. The episode was directed by Ellie Monaghan. Uh, she's been a script supervisor and writer's assistant on the show right from the start and has an episode of each season. She uh, This is the third episode of the show that she's written. Uh, she wrote episode seven in season one and episode five in season two. So great to have her back. For yeah, excellent. Yeah, no, great to have her here. And she definitely has a handle on who the boys are and what they do. Mm-hmm. But Derek, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis of this episode? Sure. Following Stan Edgar's exit from Vaud International, Ashley has been promoted to CEO, but Homelander is the true leader and appoints the Deep to head of crime anal ticks. After returning from Russia without any real leads, Huey tells a shocked Starlight they've lost Soldier Boy and he's taken temporary V, but Soldier Boy has made his own way back to the US and he's on a mission to kill Crimson Countess. After Soldier Boy explodes in the centre of New York, killing many innocents, Mother's Milk makes a tentative alliance with Billy and Huey to stop him, but Billy has realised Soldier Boy is the weapon they've been looking for. After consulting with the legend, a former vault vice president, Billy and Huey take another dose of V24 and set up Crimson Countess as bait. When Soldier Boy returns and kills the Countess, Billy arranges to work with him to take out Homelander, and Huey goes against Starlight's advice and joins up with them. Meanwhile, A-Train's attempt to make amends to his community goes disastrously wrong when racist soup Blue Hawk loses control and permanently injures his brother. Lots of stuff going on in this episode. That's the that's just the central uh, storyline. So we're going to talk about it in our top three points. Uh, going to talk about our boys moment, our protagonist moment for the episode, our seven moment, our antagonist moment, or and any other outstanding moments from the episode. Chris, do you want to kick us off with your favourite boys or protagonist moment from the episode? Sure. I'm going to talk about uh, Wee Huey's uh, transformation in his mind from Wee Huey to uh, Useful Huey, mm-hmm. um, as he as he calls out to uh, MM, um, like, which would he prefer? Mm-hmm. Would MM like uh, Wee Huey, who's coward and kind of getting in the way and potentially a liability? Yeah, and likely or, to be killed. Yes, <laughs> likely to be killed. Uh, or uh, Huey, who can actually teleport and is indestructible mm-hmm. and um, has, or at least more, more bulletproof than usual. Yeah. Um, let's put it that way. Um, and I, I, I like this transformation because what we are seeing, one thing I, I'll call out very quickly, mm-hmm. there seems to be some lingering powers or yes. strength from V24. Yeah. And they don't call it out. It was very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just, we'll, we'll say, you know what I'm talking about, and I think our, our, our listeners are, will know. It is, they've specifically called out Huey, or they've shown Huey had a problem opening the jar of uh, pickles or peanut butter uh-huh. um, that, that they've been opening throughout the show. Yeah. In this episode, he just opens it in one go. Uh-huh. Uh, it is just like popped no, but there's no mention of it. It's just it's in very- Starlight's eyes. It's when she, she notices it. 
definitely. Yeah. So yeah. she realizes something's gone on here. <laughs> but I love that it's such a small moment, and I love that it could be lingering superpowers allowing him to open a jar. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And that's it. And so it's kind of starting to hint that there is a change in both personality. Mm. So there is an addi- very addictive development of this. Absolutely. Which is V24. So we're starting to see that change of in Huey and Butcher, mm-hmm. but also potentially these other lingering symptoms of superpowers or uh-huh. strength or something. Yeah, suddenly Huey is like quite strong and like it's going to be fun. I love that your definition Going of back. strong is being able to open a jar, Chris. That's a, that oh, yeah, says no, a lot like, about us, doesn't it? <laughs> that is a superpower for some. Jar man. Um, jar man. <laughs> popper. The popper. There you, there go. you go. That's go. much better, Chris. <laughs> um, that's, what, that's, why I, that's why I do the names. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, so for me, I really uh, intrigued with how they are basically showing this addictive element and the rationalization of Huey taking V24 in his own mind. Mm-hmm. Um, from he is outright lying and they are setting it as a, they're setting it up as a drug. It's an addict, like looking for excuses to, to take a hit. Yes. So he's like, oh, no, I can be useful. And then to Starlight, it's like, I promise I'll never do it again. I promise I'm being open and honest. We're telling the truth, yeah. like in the spirit of no lies. But he straight up lies multiple times, mm-hmm. many, many times. And you're like, OK, so this is how they're doing it. And I'm enjoying this. Like Jack Quaid is just so he plays this part of Huey so well. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the character who is sick and tired of being a liability to his girlfriend, to his friends, to his business, Absolutely. getting constantly in trouble. And it's like, it's been three, nearly three years, maybe, or just like two years of hmm. death, destruction, blood, like just getting various vi- viscous liquid thrown in his mouth. Absolutely. From vomit <laughs> to blood, to water, to whale guts, to yeah. you name it, it's been in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just wants, he wants to feel powerful. Exactly. He wants to feel like he is pulling his own weight now. Well, yeah. And um, remember, this is all coming on the back of an entire year working for someone he didn't know was a soup and him thinking that he was making a difference when in fact it was all being controlled by Vought. So, yeah. um, so he felt really powerful for that whole year and then realized that was all a lie. And then was pushed over the edge by Homelander stepping to him uh, last episode. So, and him unable to do anything about it, feeling that pain of like, I'm still being bullied here by another bully that I definitely can't stand up against. Um, yeah. You know, so I can totally see why he's doing it. But uh, this all kind of culminates with Starlight giving the, well, being really concerned about him, but she almost is giving an ultimatum to him, um, telling yeah. him not to take the V, telling him not to go with Butcher because it may end their relationship. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's where we, what will happen Mm -hmm. for the remainder of this season, where we will see them. um, They'll, they'll they'll no longer end up together. So basically he'll, he'll do what is necessary, but he'll become more of a butcher than, than an MM, if you will, Mm -hmm. he becomes more of a butcher than a Huey. And that, that change signals a change in, their relationship. So mm-hmm. end of the season, we're going to get t- closer towards the Empire Strikes Back 
kind of ending where a lot of things are going to be some things will be better not much yeah and as we move into season four it's kind of like uh, like they're no longer together homelander's probably winning the team's on the out like that's because it does look like like this is the thing the team is broken mm-hmm. very broken and maybe our favorite young couple are no longer together mm. Yeah, it's entirely possible. And I yeah. suppose um, it was called out by Mallory before that Billy is on this mission. It's not just to kill soup, uh, Homelander, it's to kill all soups. Um, and we hear that repeated in this episode when he's sitting with Maeve, talking to her, and he's telling her, you, you all need to die, every single one of you, to her face, yeah. you know? So this mission that they're on, this taking temporary V just to take out Homelander, well, that's going to spiral. That's going to snowball into, well, I'll just take temporary V to take out the next soup and the next one mm-hmm. and the next one. There's no end in sight to it. So um, so Starlight's right to be concerned, I think, uh, with Huey. He's getting really addicted to being powerful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and speaking of Butcher's um, attempt to go after all soups, there is one soup who is no longer a soup. Mm-hmm. Do you want to uh, move on to your boys moment for this episode? I do. I do. I want to talk about Kamiko just because we were really worried at the end of last episode that we might uh, have lost a boy, um, mm. unfortunately, uh, as as she was taken out and wasn't healing at the end of last episode. Thankfully, alive. I didn't think they'd really take out uh, Kamiko. No. She's too, uh, she's too <laughs> cool a character. But really interestingly, she's alive um, and she has no powers at all. She can't even lift up a box that's given to her or a piece of equipment that Frenchie hands over to her. So she has lost her superpowers, pretty much what she's wanted. It's almost like a bit of wish fulfillment here uh, from that attack on Soldier Boy, from Soldier Boy. Um, it kind of leads into overall wondering whether that is Soldier Boy's power, that he, uh, if he leaves you alive, he can, uh, he can take away your permanent powers permanently. You know, maybe that's what's happened here. So we've lost, yeah. uh, lost Kimiko as a uh, as a, a superhero, effectively someone that uh, that can take a bullet and come back to life, um, which is interesting. Uh, but also leads into one of the best se- scenes of the season, the, the musical number uh, with uh, with Frenchie in her mind, at least. Uh, absolutely yeah. loved this. It's the choreography was fantastic. The so- song was was a great choice. I've got rhythm, uh, really, really good choice. Um, and then like w- walking out into the hospital and being surrounded by everybody dancing around them. Really good musical moment. But it overshadowed something that I now don't know whether it happened or not. <laughs> she speaks for the first time. She says a word. And then it goes into mm. a dance number. And I'm not sure whether her saying a word is something that actually happened or whether that's all in the dream, all in this uh, moment in her mind. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Do you think we had Kimiko speaking? No, I, I don't. I, I, I honestly, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think it was just a kiss yeah. that they had, they shared. Um, I think she, in her head, was having the I, I've got rhythm right. and then the musical number and then the kiss. And I think it was just in reality the leaning in and kissing a Frenchie. Yeah, because I suppose Frenchie's reaction to it is that he gets up and goes for a coffee almost immediately yeah. afterwards. If she'd spoken for the first time in their entire relationship, I suppose he'd probably be a bit more excited. <laughs> yeah, but you must answer this question for me. Mm-hmm. Is that the first proper kiss? Hmm. I believe in my head I was like, and I, I have to go through, I can't, I couldn't scrub through all the seasons yeah. uh, before we recorded. And I'm like, I think they've been 
a couple, a, a couple, but not really a couple. I think they were moving towards that, mm. and this is actually the first romantic kiss gesture. I think they've been holding hands and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think this was that's why it was so. Not just it was a first of her speaking, yeah. but no, it was the first um, romantic sharing of saliva. <laughs> that's so romantic, Chris. Yeah, it is. It is. That's all we want in life. I felt, I felt holding like, hands and sharing saliva. Sharing saliva pretty much. <laughs> um, I felt like Frenchie has been so tender with Kimiko since they first met. You know, the the idea that he's always been interested in her certainly comes across. It does feel like there's been some kind of romance off screen and everybody else has been seeing it. Um, so I'm not sure whether this was their first ever kiss. And again, the reaction Frenchie to the kiss going, mm, I need a coffee. Do you want a coffee? <laughs> feels like this might not be the first time they kissed. So, uh, do you know so what I, mean? I took that. I, I took the coffee as shock. Well, maybe. That was the, it's the awkward, oh my God, we just kissed. What to, uh, um, uh, I, 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 do you want a coffee? I, right. I'm going to grab a coffee. Do you want like, do you, maybe. like you need a coffee? Yeah. That's how I took it because right. it was, it's almost like it was like he would, instead of the shock of her speaking, it was the shock of their first kiss. And I gotcha. So I, I need to, because he now, he had been putting off a, a task to spend time with her. Mm-hmm. And that leads to little Nina. Mm-hmm. Asconding with Frenchie, yes, um, and that. So I, I really enjoyed where this is going. Yeah, absolutely. Because I thought she'd been paid effectively for the work <laughs> that needed to be done. She um, cer- certainly holds a grudge. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. But I thought that that was the deal with Butcher that um, Sherry was off the hook, and by Kimiko going and killing her. Uh, her target effectively that that was the end of, of the uh, arrangement with little Nina but right at the start you see her in the hospital she's there waiting for uh, for Kimiko and then at the end takes off takes um, Frenchie away so I do wonder now that you've said it if that is their first kiss and he's shocked and gotten up and gone for a coffee and then disappears will Kimiko take that that he has run away <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think we're leading leaning towards the the dissolvement of the dissolving of the boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, essentially, like they they're breaking down on all fundamental aspects: the mm-hmm. MM butcher relationship, mm-hmm. the the Huey Starlight relationship, and the Frenchie and female relationship, mm-hmm. and then the actual just cohesiveness of the the unit of the boys. Yeah. Um, because no one trusts each other anymore. Exactly. And that is, a, again, if you're going to lead this towards the kind of the Empire Strikes Back moment, the, the, the everything is, the end of the season is, not, you have the resolution, but it's none of it's very much a happy resolution. Yeah. Then having Frenchie be taken away and the female thinking, Kimiko thinking that it's because they kiss because mm-hmm. they shared that moment. It's good. The other thing, the other possibility is where they go with this is she then or she has to get her powers back in order to go save him. Maybe. That is yeah. the next like three episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, where they're like, okay, in order for you, in order for you to save the man you love. Mm-hmm. 
quote unquote. I don't know. We don't we don't know if it's love yet. It's definitely lust and companionship. I think she loves him. I think she loves him, even whether it was romantic love now or whether it was friendship love in the past. But she definitely loves him more than anybody else. I just don't want to put words in her sign. I don't (laughs) want to put words in her mouth, if you know what I mean. She was willing to run away to to Marseille with him, you know, back home to Marseille where he's from, uh, in the show anyway. Um, She was willing to run away with him. So uh, I presume I'd say love anyway, Chris. Okay. Yeah. So it, the, the manner she loves has been absconded. Is she willing to become a super again in order to save? Mm, and I think that's a question where we'll see. Like, does she ingest V twenty four again? There's a whole but bag. Maybe, of I don't know if she's <laughs> is she aware of V twenty four. Well, she was because we've seen she was, yes. she's seen uh, she's seen Billy and she's seen all of Huey um, <laughs> in the last episode. So. Well, <laughs> parts of, because she was remember she was basically she saw it and then got exploded. Um, so yeah, probably Frenchie maybe told her. So yeah, I like. Will is that what she's going to do? Does she goes to save mm. Frenchie? And it's a it's a good predicament that you have where mm. she has to become, and then that puts a rift between them again. Absolutely. I like this. Got yeah. a bag full of V. Um, so yeah. that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Uh, let's get on to our antagonist moments, our uh, our moment about the seven. Um, Chris, what's your moment about the seven for the episode? So much like Soldier Boy, I will be later today going a walk around Manhattan. So and cool. that's what I want to talk about. That's my moment for the antagonist. The, the um, Essentially, the the journey of Soldier Boy from uh, Motherland Russia uh, to uh, Yippie America, mm-hmm. New York. Um, and this what where they're doing this, how they're doing this, because I have a question. I don't fully understand the Crimson Countess piece. Oh, okay. okay. Fully we can, yet. We can talk about that. So um, we're going to get there. So he, he, we see the, the wandering Soldier Boy mm-hmm. uh, manage to get out of Russia um, which I thought was very, it was fun. It was it was very Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible-esque as he <laughs> swings down from the ceiling um, and kind of jumps on a plane. He goes to a restaurant um, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. We see him there. He's kind of looking quizzically at Manhattan, i.e. the... Um, he very quizzically is probably, he's just, he's an old racist old man mm-hmm. so he's seeing uh pride flags he see gay people so he's we were showing that he's homophobic he's not nice mm-hmm. he's looking at non-caucasian people mm-hmm. and giving them the eye oh, I, yeah. I suppose is the best way of putting it um and so we're we're kind of shorthand showing that he is an old caucasian man from the 60s um and he's racist yep. and he's homophobic yeah and he's not He's not a good man. Well, they're, they're, they're shorthanding it there. That, that's yeah. very quick. He gets to the restaurant of some kind. We didn't know why he was going to a restaurant, but he went to a restaurant. He then has a mental break. And every time he seems to have a break of flashbacks, he um, explodes, but not in the sexual way. Um, as the boys may have it. Like, you know, <laughs> like, come on, it is the boys. It's, is. When you're exploding, you're exploding one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Blood and guts or something else. 
uh, mostly it's blood and guts. Yes. And in this case, it's actually a, a superpower of a beam that cuts the building in two. Mm. Because when we later see that building, there is a hole all the way through to the other side. It's a massive. Cool looking. A massive explosion um, taking out multiple people around him. And the trigger point was some Russian music that was playing. And that mm. triggers the memories of the uh, extraordinary uh, experiments that he was subjected to. Wow, that video that MM was watching at the beginning of the the experiments, that scene where somebody's got a machine gun into Jetson Eccles' mouth and is firing it into his mouth is so well filmed. Um, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. But the kind of stuff like they effectively say, what's it that uh, Billy describes it as? They basically shove Chernobyl up his arse um, to try and test his powers and what the limits of his powers are, you know? Um, so he still exudes radiation from all of the radiation he was exposed to over those years in Russia. Um, But yeah, that's his trigger point. And that is the explosion that, uh, that he comes out with uh, taking out everybody around him. So a very dangerous person to be around. Yeah. And he goes to the legend, he gets his costume and the, um, the address of his uh, former girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward to his former girlfriend's house. Yes. uh, The Crimson Countess. So, this is the bit I'm questioning. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out. Why did she sell him out? Why him. did she give him to the Russians? Mm. There's a parallel That's- here in the episode. Um, we see it from Queen Maeve um, and Homelander. Queen Maeve was paired up with Homelander. Um, Homelander saying to her, I loved you in my own weird way. And her saying to him, right from the start, I've never had anything but hate for you. And that's the same as Crimson Countess. Uh, when we saw the flashback scene to uh, 1984, we saw Soldier Boy chatting up uh, the young Mallory um, mm-hmm. when when they were uh, when they were all together in uh, in the army base, and you saw the look from Crimson Countess going, "Not again." He's chatting up another woman yeah. again. He keeps telling everybody he's in love with her, but he is going clearly going around cheating on her. And yeah. she said. Everybody on the team hated you. So did I. And they didn't, she says she didn't even get payment for it. She did it because she hated him so much and saw an opportunity to take him out and gave him to the Russians. Yeah. So I, I, the question I have, was it, was it premeditated or was it a a moment of, I'm just not going to stop them taking him. That was the bit. I was like, is it that she made a deal with the Russians Mm -hmm. to give soldier boy away? Or was it that kind of like, well, well, we were under attack and I just, didn't stop. I think she made a deal. I think she made okay. a deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was just the one bit where I missed the shorthand. Mm-hmm. I missed the narrative explanation there. Um, I got the the hate disdain, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy that, yeah, when you're constantly setting up characters of superheroes, mm-hmm. quote unquote, and they, they must have relationships. And we've seen that with the same parallel. Actually, as you said, there's the Maeve and Homelander, but we're also seeing Homelander and Starlight. Yeah. Exactly. Which are made for TV, made for corporate America mm-hmm. um, or capitalist America. Exactly. Um, where you like to ship things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, it's interesting to see. And he destroys her. He, there is no Crimson Countess no more. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no um, OnlyFans. <laughs> Crimson Countess with Seth Rogen. Wow. Uh, that was, yeah, that was, that was a scene. Like, you know how much money 
this stuff is making for Seth Rogen. He's an executive producer on, on this show and also on Invincible and also on uh, on uh, the Diabolical series. You know, he's getting a lot of money out of the boys. So this is him yeah. giving a bit of payback, right? <laughs> so but it, he's always willing and up to do anything like this. But I thought it was absolutely hilarious how far he went. Uh, with, oh, with yeah. That scene. They, 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 they use vinegar, vinegar strokes, uh-huh. the joke. It's just like, I was like, no. Brilliant. But just having her as a sex worker, as uh-huh. uh, um, an OnlyFans like live live cam girl, yeah. but talking about the chimpanzees Hilarious. and the, the orangutans first, and it's just yeah, it was fun. Yeah. But it was eighteen dollars in a, a minute. Mm-hmm. Yep, not cheap. Not so, cheap. I think it was actually Seth Rogen. I think he was playing himself in that scene because yeah. that's the only person <laughs> yeah. that could afford <laughs> that call. <laughs> Exactly, um, yeah. but there, that, that, and then we see the deal is made, and they go off. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see the full conversation; we see parts of it, and we just see. But it's essentially they've made a deal, and now the 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 new gun of Soldier Boy is firmly pointed at Homelander. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see where we go in the remaining few episodes yeah. of this. And let's hope there's no Russian music playing on the uh, the car stereo on their drive anywhere, because uh, <laughs> we may lose everybody in the boys. Um, for yeah. Of that. yeah. Um, I have to say, the uh, the it, the final image of um, Crimson Countess exploded uh, in her camper van, or not camper van, in the, in the caravan park, was stunningly disgusting yeah. once again <laughs> like crispy crispy yeah. barbecue but you could really tell it, it it's again the production design on this show is unbelievably gruesome um they're they're going as far as they go in horror movies to show that this looks like a former real human effectively so uh, so, so i was wondering on this with the crimson countess was this did they just get a full fake body skeleton and build it up or did they do what they did with um stormfront mm-hmm on the actress where they just layered her in prosthetics. Yeah. And so they kept her as close to her uh, okay. face. And it was like looking like her at the end of last season. It wasn't actually a prosthetic. It was, or sorry, it wasn't actually a fake stormfront body. It was actually the actress. She was fully layered in the makeup. Mm-hmm. And that's why they had the makeup at the beginning of this season. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but it was more cleaned up. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering, did they actually, it's like, okay, stand super still for the next eight hours and we're just going to build a fake body around you. Yeah, may, maybe. It looked um, it looked right to skeleton level, which would be very difficult to uh, to layer on top of Larry Holden. Um, yeah. But she was, she's been great in the series. I'm really happy to have her on the show for these th- these three episodes that she's been in. Uh, of the five, I think she was she's added so much uh, comedy to the show and added that kind of layer of intre- of of interesting relationship between her and and Soldier Boy. I thought that was that was really yeah. a, a really good guest star for the series. Really really great to see Larry Holden in the show. Excellent stuff. Yeah, really enjoyed that. Anything else about Soldier Boy? That's it really. I just want to see where we go over the next three episodes. Mm-hmm. Um how they how they wrap up this story and whether is Jensen Eckel a returning character for next season? Yeah. Is it that we're just, like are they going to make Soldier Boy, a, a a boy, will he be a boys member almost, um, or will he be a Vought member, or is that it? Is, is it? He killed off, and we we Homelander, Homelander looks at him, and that's it. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, is it just basically 
we're, we're going to get, like, it's all this build-up. Soldier Boy goes up to Homelander, and Homelander just snaps him like a twig. And like, <laughs> is that all you got? All right, come on, bring it. <laughs> Maybe. I, I still think they have to build an opportunity, don't they? That's uh, that's kind of the other side of the plan. They'll have a weapon, but they need to build an opportunity to take out Homelander before he um, sure. before he's able to snap, ha- snap somebody. I am quite intrigued, and it ties into my, my point on Kimiko losing her powers. I'm intrigued whether they'll, they'll do something like um, he doesn't turn him crispy like he did to, uh, to Crimson Countess. Maybe he takes out Homelander's powers, and next season we have a depowered Homelander trying to live in the world that he uh, has spat on for the last uh, last uh, whole season this year. So that could be really interesting to do with that uh, with that version of Homelander. Yeah, no, that would be fun. Yeah. He is the, the, the CEO of Vault with no powers. Mm, or maybe he loses that as well. So um, if he mm. has no powers and can no longer scare people, you know, what's, why, why would they keep him in there, you know? So yeah, another premature retirement from Vault, Vault possibly. Speaking of Vault and bad guys, what is your antagonist moment for this episode? I want to talk about Queen Maeve. Um, she is totally fatalistic now. She is She is on the path towards knowing she's going to die. She's not going to get out of this situation. She's been, yeah. uh, she's been the one inside feeding information to, to Billy. Um, she specifically came to him after their mission in Russia, trying to find out where's what happened with soldier boy. Did they get the weapon? Um, how is he still alive? How is he on the loose? And then yeah, gives even more, uh, temporary V to, to Billy. Um, and then, in a surprising twist, uh, ends off having super sex with Billy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I, I kind of love how their conversation got to the fact that they both hate each other, <laughs> but they're willing to work together. And then ended off in uh, in the two of them having sex. Uh, it just it it it's totally the kind of relationships Billy has, right? <laughs> yeah, no, very much. Uh, and I like the, like you said, I like that fatalistic attitude now. Of me. Yeah, yeah, just on the edge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, she, she, she's over the edge by the end of this episode, well, or is she? Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed this. I enjoyed that she's like, no, I'm sober for four months. I'm I'm prepped for this battle. I'm yeah. prepared. I'm kind of training. And Billy's Billy's realism um, uh, on the the his realistic explanation of the situation. Mm-hmm puts them both into such a depressed mood they drink. Well, exactly. Um, He's like, I've, I've been sober for a year, <laughs> and here I am uh, three-quarters of the way through a bottle of whiskey. You know, so, uh, yeah. With his St. Christopher medal. Mm-hmm. Um, so showing that um, it was an act, his hate of Ryan. Because mm-hmm. I must say, I, that, I took that not about Becky. I took that about Ryan. I took that... Yeah. And not about the loss of his wife, but the loss he's had to push away his child. Not his child, but he w- he was looking after that kid. He he yeah. felt for that kid. Yeah, it was the last. So I took it last that mem- way. It's the last memory of Becca. It's the last um, yeah. piece that he has to connect into Becca, and so is the the Saint Christopher medal. That's what she gave him, and that's what he passed on to Ryan. So yeah, um, yeah he's definitely um, lost everything. Effectively, that's why yeah. he's on this mission versus Homelander. So, um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I like the connection with Queen May. I like that she's involved um, herself with the boys and with Billy, particularly. Um, and I do. I, I always like these really strong characters sitting down together. And you don't get very many moments with Queen Maeve, I feel uh, over the course of a couple no. of seasons. 
but particularly her with Billy feels like a, a good, uh, it feels like a really good scene when the two of them are together. But she also stands up to Homelander. Um, and we've yeah. seen before how powerful this guy is and how little people stand up to him. You know, it's very rare that people will, uh, will stand up to him. And he's kind of pointing out, you know, I don't think there's much love lost between Homelander. He's not stupid enough to think that they're best friends or anything, but he does feel that because of the experience that they've gone through together from the start, being right at the top of the seven for this many years, he does feel that that shared experience would at least allow her to be a bit more on his side and what he's trying to do in put in putting all of the soups as the heads of uh, of vault now. Um, but no, nothing from her. She is, uh, she's out and she's willing to tell Homelander how much of a child he is. Um, and how much she really hates him and always has. So, uh, so yeah, and we see the, uh, slight return of Black Noir. Um, when, yeah. when Homelander gets, uh, Queen Maeve taken out, we see Black Noir's, um, mask at least right behind, um, right behind Maeve as she's taken away for, uh, rehab, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> taken away to rehab. Um, will we ever see Maeve again? Uh, or will she be holed up in one of those secure, uh, cells down in the basement of Vault Industries. Maybe that's where that's where she is. But, I, I I hope we see her again. I yeah. enjoy this character a lot. I, I much prefer. I'm hoping that's not the the, the if that's the exit of this character. Mm. I, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Um, I wouldn't think so. I was just no. trying to work out how where they're going to get her back in um, in the future. I, I hope it's not Starlight just... trying to break her out now because Starlight has lost the boys, lost yeah. Huey. Um, at the end of this episode, so she now needs to go find because Starlight confronts um, Ashley mm-hmm. about the Maeve's rehab and being taken, threatens and goes, "He'll turn on you too." Yeah, Ashley obviously then grows the spine and goes, "No, get out! I'm the CEO." Yeah, it um, feels like she almost got through to Ashley though. She did. Yeah. She nearly. You could nearly see the the fear, and then. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Homelander fear takes over. Exactly, exactly. And as always, Starlight's right. There is going to come a point where Ashley will say the wrong thing. Like, why wow, that board meeting was so tense as oh, uh, as Ashley takes over as the CEO of Vault International. She's trying to make her speech about how wonderful it is. She's not in charge at all. Homelander walks straight in and tells her to get out of the way. But, wow, a poor, um, I guess it must, it must be the CFO, the, the senior financial officer who's saying to yeah. him, when our EBITDA comes out, we're going to lose some points. How do you want to handle it on the uh, on the the uh, shares call? Which is part of a board of directors conversation. That's absolutely the conversation she probably has had a million times with Stan Edgar over the years when she's been on the board. But Homelander staring her down, telling her those kind of questions are indicate that she thinks she's smarter than him, that he doesn't belong there. Wow, it was fantastic that Ashley was able to tell her to get out of the room in a way that didn't look like she was telling her to get out of the room, but protect her. Cause it looked like we could have had lasers straight through uh, one of the board of directors right there. I so wish we had got that. Really? <laughs> I was, I was just expecting this kind of uh, next up crispy board member. Mm. I feel like it will happen in the future. So I, I think this yeah. was more of a, at least with Ashley, she has an ability to get rid of, but to get people yes. out of the way. I think that was just giving her a little bit of power there because uh, 
having her just sit back and watch as as a board member gets taken out probably uh, yeah. gives her nothing to do, I suppose. So, uh, so I'm glad that it's... Um, jumping back slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, so Maeve's off the board, um, which it's interesting. We'll see how, whether she returns this season or she's sprung from rehab next season or how mm-hmm. they do that. Um, but you, you mentioned it. Black Noir suddenly uh, is back in from the, the cold or... Yeah. Not sure how they're playing this one. Back in for um, his, nut, his, his nut allergy, yes. Yeah, because we we the last we saw of Black Noir from our point of view was the flashback where we we mm. saw um, essentially why Black Noir wears his mask potentially. Potentially, yes, or, yes. Um, um, and we did see I, him at the premiere in the first episode, and we've seen yeah. him in the background. It's because he doesn't talk, you sometimes forget that he's in the scene. <laughs> so because he yeah. has no conversations, you only get get a, uh, the camera panning by him quite a lot. So, uh, yeah. so a pretty active moment here as he takes out Maeve. Yeah, because he was in the scene where he was drawing away when they were all in the the seven, mm-hmm. uh, and there was the introduction of uh, Sonic Supersonic. Yes, um, you, to the table. Did you see that on the X-ray? I didn't even think about it, but that's the first time since season one episode one that we've had all members of the seven in one room um we've never had oh. it after that first episode um so isn't that interesting and no longer have it after this episode, well, exactly. episode either exactly yeah, yeah we've lost there supersonic. is no seven yeah lost supersonic lost Maeve as well now in this episode yeah. so uh yeah but, but isn't that really interesting and you were pointing out in the uh in the movie uh that's there's only five of them in the movie as well so uh so yeah, yeah so this is the first that was the first time in uh in all the seasons that we've seen them together since the first episode i like it um no it's just it's interesting to see because mm-hmm. i i'm so he's an underused character and he's a lot bigger in the comic books. So mm-hmm. I'm still wondering. And we did get Eric Kripke saying to everyone to watch the diabolical episode on the, the birth of Homelander and the, the relationship he has with Black Noir. And I'm just wondering, and I'm just calling it, I'm like, I'm wondering if that's within the next two episodes. What, what, why? I understand it was the Homelander's first mission by himself and why he went off books and how so many people died. And I get, I get that aspect, but I'm wondering if it's more about also his relationship with Black Noir mm-hmm. and if we get more on that. Um, but let's wait and see. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was my um, antagonist moment about Queen Maeve. Uh, do you have any other outstanding moments from the episode, Chris, that you want to talk about? I have one, um, and I, I think we should call it out. It's it's a it's a trains mm-hmm. um, moment. His his standing up to um, uh, Blue Hawk, or uh, at least him getting the uh, Vault Apology mm-hmm. tour uh, moment oh. from Blue Hawk. Yes, and this is tough to watch. Uh-huh. Um. Because he thinks A Train does think he's getting something. He, he's winning. He he thinks, hey, okay, I'm getting the apology and the donation to the community center. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to go well. His brother goes, "What the hell are you doing? Why did you spring this on me?" Yeah, yeah. It just just descends into racism from mm-hmm. Blue Hawk. Yep. Not even veiled. It starts off veiled and then becomes unveiled. 
And but even from the, the start, the, even from when the conversation is being had between A-Train and Blue Hawk, when A-Train's standing up to him, he's going, am I being cancelled here? It's racist to call someone racist. And this response, yeah. oh, oh this guy needs a punch in the face like no other uh, superhero outside of Homelander. <laughs> yeah. But it's also interesting because A-Train's been in this exact position. Uh, right back in the first season, he was the one that had to walk into the room with Huey and make the apology to Huey and then walk back out again. The read the statement that has been prepared for, yeah. for you by the PR team. This is what you read, then you walk out. Um, the problem with this guy, Blue Hawk, is he has way too much to say about why he's racist, effectively. And he finishes the statement and then goes straight on to that racist sentiment of, well, actually, the reason why I'm in black neighborhoods is because there's way more crime in black neighborhoods than there are in any other neighborhoods. So I'm right to be here and kill as many as I want to, basically, is kind of his attitude, yeah. you know? Awful, awful moment. Um, and then as they start to surround him or shout back at him, he starts taking people out left and right. Yeah. And, and it gets it gets tough to watch because mm-hmm. A-Train just earlier had sold out Supersonic. Yep. He gets he gets confronted by Starlight going, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Um, and now he essentially ends this episode with his brother... Um, potentially paralyzed. Well, yeah, the doctor says he'll never walk again. Yeah, He'll never walk in. And I suppose, again, you know, remember, I trains a speedster. That's his his entire uh, deal is running, effectively. He's lost that power, but himself and his brother, his brother was his trainer for years and worked worked with Vault. So the fact that he can no longer walk is quite significant for them as a family. It's a very specific thing between them as brothers that um that the running is is what formed their bond over the years and now his brother can't walk because of something he did um so yeah uh, big moment um again the show doesn't tend to have redemptive arcs it tends to punish people on the show yeah. for things they've done in the past and i think this is all the punishment for a train at the moment yeah i think what they're gonna do is they'll have him speed one last time and then he dies mm-hmm Possibly. I think that's going to be the he'll save Starlight again somehow. Yeah. He'll stand up and then that will be his it's not really it's not even gonna be redemptive, it's just gonna be he did it and he de- he's dead because yeah, they, they there's not much Yes, but they do have an out, Chris. Because that wasn't guaranteed. So they said you could run another time and you could be dead. He could run another twenty yeah. times and not be dead. So it's sure. it's about him overcoming that and using the speed. And maybe not dying, so they do have an to keep him alive at least. Um, sure, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was it. I, I'm interested to see where they go with this storyline again, mm-hmm. um, it, because it's a it's a tough watch. It is. Um, I like to but see more people... just also because I I like the character and I severely dislike the character, yes. and now I feel they're attempting for me to feel empathy and sorrow for this character, and I'm, I'm struggling with it just more mm-hmm. because I dislike the character. Not his, how he's written or the character itself. It's just you're made to dislike this character Absolutely. based on his actions and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's effectively on Homelander's side. He's trying to suck up to Homelander to get his position back that he had in the yeah. past, to be a center of the seven, you know? Um, he really is being really, really well portrayed. Um, I really do like Jesse Usher in the role. I think he's, he's so good at that part. But again... What I love about the show, and they've been doing it to the deep since episode one, punishing people who are doing bad things. This is the kind of stuff that happens to him. It's it's why Homelander stands out so much in this show. He tends to sail through life 
without really being punished for the things that he's doing, uh, which is why he stands out. Everybody else seems to be punished for everything that they're doing uh, on the show. So that's uh, that's A Train uh, at the moment. So good stuff. I want to have um, my final kind of outstanding moment was the introduction of the legend. Um, I loved this. Legend is a is a comic book character, very different um, to this yes. version of the legend, but. Him being played by Paul Reiser here is just really funny because Paul Reiser is a quite a central character over on Stranger Things. So uh, flipping back and forth to these two completely different characters that he's playing. Uh, I really like this character. I love that he's telling all the stories about everything that went on to him in the 80s while he was still uh, the vice president of Voss uh, Industries. And I love that he's telling them to Huey. I feel like if he was saying them to M.M. or Butcher, they probably know the references. They probably know the people he's talking about. But he's talking about things like Falcon Crest and Huey's kind of looking at him going... I don't even know what that means. <laughs> He's calling yeah. out Starlet's <laughs> names, you know, uh, absolutely. But calling out Starlet's names, calling out uh, big actors from the from the seventies and eighties, and Huey is looking completely blankly at him. But sounds like he had a very uh, uh, interesting life, let's say, while he was VP of Ocean. I really enjoyed this character. It's fun, and it, like even whipping out his leg or off his leg, I mm-hmm. should say. Just going, this is the last time I helped you. This is what happened. <laughs> Billy telling him, if you keep going, I'm going to beat you to death with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Love it. This is brilliant. Love it. Um, you're right. He is very different from the comic book character as well. The mm-hmm. comic book character is essentially a Stanley rip, yes. um, if you will. Yeah. Um, in a, is he was a character who um, essentially wrote all the comic books for Vaultic America mm-hmm. in uh, the comic book universe. Yes. So he came up with the storylines for these superheroes and villains. Yes, that's right. And he did both, that- didn't he? He wrote the comic books and he wrote the actual storylines that of the yeah. things that they were being sent to do by Vault, the real the real version of the of the heroes as well. So he was doing both yeah. things, yeah. Uh, so a very big a very um, big character in the background. We do one part that we haven't got yet, which is that also the the villains within um the boys universe and the comic books are also we later find out are paid by Vought. Mm-hmm. Um essentially they are they too are comic book they are paid actors if you will yes to how who have these fights with the homelander and the seven and um essentially they are paid to have these wild rivalries with Yes, and the other the other heroes yeah um and we saw that in the boys diabolical one of the one of the animated episodes it was all about um, the uh, the setup between uh, two heroes oh, and the, their villain, the yeah. Nubian prince yes. and his family. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, so that's that, and like we don't see that in this in, in right now, mm-hmm. I should say, yeah. uh, in the universe. Um, but that was the fun part of that character. He was the one who came up with the stories. He knew the backstory. He knew who Maeve, like he knew the truth about Maeve and mm-hmm. all these types of things. Yes, um, and. He knew all the strengths and weaknesses of all of the heroes because he'd worked True. so closely with yes. them as well. Yes. Very much so. Um, I liked their tweak of this. I, it makes more sense in the, the universe, in the canon and the universe they're building within yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, and it, beyond that, it also it centers it on more on the, the fame aspect that they, the, yes. as he said, it was more the, he's talking about starlets and actors. And you see the, the, you see him with American presidents as it pans through all the photos, it's American presidents, it's well-known actors, actresses, Absolutely. starlets, superheroes. It's that fun 
agent almost. It's like, mm-hmm. here's all the people I used to kind of cruise. And and it feels vastly different to Stan Edgar um, yes. as well. That's one of the one of the big things here. He's a former vice president on that, and he was living off, I guess, the, the fame that coming uh, surrounding him from the superheroes. So. Exactly. And it, it, so I think it's going to be, I'm wondering if it's a one and done character. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping yeah. that they, they reuse it for some additional, I, I don't know how, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping it's not. And if it is, I really like that the, that they have Paul Reiser as the, as the actor portraying him. I think they did a great job in the comic book. The, the character of the legend being a Stanley almost lookalike, it is absolutely a, a one-off joke is what it sounds like. You know, yeah. this idea that, Huey will be going to talk to this really potty-mouthed version of <laughs> potty-mouthed? God, it makes me sound so old and weird. But um, this, the, he's talking to this version of Stanley that isn't like the version we have we had in the real yeah. world. And it feels like if he did something similar to that, I know it's the boys, but I think it would be really in poor taste. It wouldn't have landed as a joke. It just, no. it just wouldn't hit since we've lost uh, Stanley in the past. So I'm glad they did it this way. There's only one other. Is, is there something? The boy, is there something that's too tasteless for the boys? I think it was that. It's true. Joke. Yeah, and I think you're right. There's only one other person I think who could have done it better as an actor, and that's Nathan Lane. Seeing a Nathan Lane <laughs> style version of this right. would have been, I think, oh, would have just been amazing. That could have been fun. Um, that could have been fun. He's too, he's I, too I busy over more... in, uh, only murders in the building, isn't he? Exactly, and I'm wondering if that's why we didn't get that. Right. I think it's maybe they just went, oh, no, it's too close to this other character you've just portrayed. <laughs> there you go. There you um, go. But overall, look, it, it was fun to see the legend. I'm hoping we get more of it because yeah. he he was, he was, he knows where a lot of the skeletons are buried. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. So it will be, he, he knows potentially where Maeve's rehab um, center is maybe. or she's upstate. So it's all going to be interesting. Yeah, Maybe. As I say, I'm not sure whether Maeve has even left the building. I think she might be downstairs in the uh, in the prison cells. <laughs> she's, she's downstairs in Terror 7. There you go. Excellent. So basement 4. <laughs> Excellent. Any other points and notes about the episode, Chris, before we close it out? I have one more note. Um, it is how they have uh, destroyed the, the, the greatest uh, and the most uh, beautiful quote in the world, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, Butcher does call this out, his own boy's version. Uh, with great power comes certainty that you'll become a CU next Tuesday. Uh-huh. Yes, um, I did think of you immediately, Chris. <laughs> the second he said it, I thought of you immediately. Um, I was like, um, oh, Chris is going to love this, or it's going to be really shocked by it. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it, yeah. but it's so much so I'm like, eh, you just like, they could have done so much. They could have done more with it, but it was still a good delivery. It was oh, still yeah. a good piece, yeah. Yes, yes, excellent work uh, as Billy Butcher doing that. Really good. I suppose just the one last thing, because we kind of danced around a little bit and didn't really talk about MM at all, that MM actually left the boys um, at the beginning of the episode or at the end of last episode. He's pretty much said he's done completely. This is a temporary alliance that he has um, with Billy and Butcher to to get Soldier Boy. Yeah. And that's where he wanted to do it. But Billy wants to use Soldier Boy as the weapon against Homelander, so he's going to keep him alive and takes out MM. So um, very interesting. But also his home life. I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I think the scene with, um, I guess, the stepfather of Janine, his daughter, um, the person who's now dating his, his ex-wife, I guess. Um, I'm so glad that they that 
they're keeping this story of this guy who's in love with Homelander, effectively, this guy that thinks Homelander is the greatest American that's ever yeah. existed. Um, we talked about it back when Homelander made that speech on TV. We talked about his reaction uh, to that speech. And now it's playing out as he believes every single word that comes from me saying to to Billy, join, join me on Facebook and I'll send you loads of articles about this, which sounds so Trumpian, it's unbelievable. It sounds really like know, the Trump support, you know. So still tying all that in. But um, but I love M.M. really standing up for his daughter and going, she's my daughter, this doesn't get played in the house. He's His whole mission, his whole life has been dedicated to taking out people like this. And now he's got somebody in Janine's life who's buying her all the all the Homelander toys, buying her the Homelander pencil case and has Homelander on TV spouting his lies right into her ears all the time. So um, what's she going to think of her daddy if she starts believing what Homelander's saying, you know? Um, so. Exactly. And, like, he, we see the, the, the jokey um, piece where Homelander is talking to their Fox News mm-hmm. type of Vought and Fox News character. Yes. Um, and it's like, well, I'm not saying it's not a false flag, oh. but those are your words. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fun. And then the, you see that same interview Mm-hmm. kind of being portrayed later and you're like there are people that do believe this kind of deep state crazy QAnon level stuff uh-huh. um, and they they they're pulling in all aspects of modern life when they they, they riff on this Absolutely. within um, the, the show so yeah. this will continue to be a, a, a storyline I believe throughout this episode well absolutely and maybe into season four um, it's yes. just, it, it just reminded me that unfortunately there is another American election in two years time so uh, we don't have long before we start hearing this crap again uh, so no we do not oh we well start in November mm-hmm. oh well Chris oh well at least we have a little <laughs> bit of a break from it uh, Excellent. Uh, that's it for the episode. Overall, Chris, what do you think of episode five of The Boys? I continue to love this show. Mm-hmm. It just, it it shows so many different aspects. There's not that much action in this, um, but it's okay with that. Like, it, it, the show continues to have deep character arcs mm-hmm. and uh, involving the characters in ways that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um like having Butcher and Maeve have hate sex, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> having Huey and Starlight potentially break up, yeah. having Huey and Butcher team up with Soldier Boy and Rufy M.M., yep. um, Seth Rogen's cameo. <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's fun to watch. It's fun. It's a fun show, but at the same time, it's not just spoon feeding me a, a kind of like, oh, here's here's just a Hollywood blockbuster action yeah. superhero. It's, it's there's some very deeper, meaningful conversations happening with a load of blood, a load of action, and a load of swearing. Absolutely. So I'm just enjoying this on a weekly basis now, and it continues to get better. We've yet to have that huge, massive dip yet, and I'm I'm hoping maybe we don't get it this maybe season. Maybe it's it. just yeah. a, a straight run. Yeah. Yep. It's a home uh, run for this. Absolutely. What about yourself? What did you think of this episode? Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, I, I thought I thought having Soldier Boy on this path where he's returning to the US for the first time since the 80s and seeing how it all changed and he's on this mission to take out, uh, to take out uh, Crimson Countess, I thought was a really good uh, central storyline and having the boys break up and then get back together for this, this mission was excellent. And the intensity of Homelander is increasing again <laughs> with every episode. I keep wondering how far they're going to push him before he does do something devastatingly um, 
disastrous. Like, what what is yeah. the thing that's going to push him to do something and walk away expecting it to be cleaned up behind him? What's what's the thing this season that he's going to actually do? Uh, I'm really intrigued, and that's he's playing that character right on the edge all the way throughout the season. It's working really, really well. Uh, loving it, loving it. Looking forward to episode six uh, next week. Good stuff. Let's get on to our boys' pub quiz question for this week, the fifth question this time. If you haven't got the first four questions, you can pop on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. All the questions are listed up there. Uh, question for this episode is, of course, it's about the musical. What is the musical that Kimiko and Frenchie are watching in the hospital? There you go. What is the musical that Kimiko and Frenchie are watching in the hospital. Uh, gather together the answers to all eight questions. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with all correct answers, and you could be in, in with a chance of getting some boys' goodies from TV Podcast Industries. Yes. Um, and if you would like to support this show, if you would like to support us as we take you through the remainder of this season of The Boys and also Miss Marvel, which we are also kind of covering at this moment in time, mm-hmm. you can head on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries, where you can support us for any month the amount. And it is great. And we much appreciate it. Or you can support us on a one-off donation. You can pop on over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI. And you can buy our illustrious editor, Derek a coffee this episode of tv podcast industry is brought to you by our supporters on patreon including Stuart campbell thank you Stuart, for for your patronage absolutely thanks so much Stuart, and thanks everybody over on patreon uh, for your support and everybody who's been sharing the podcast because sharing the podcast is sharing the love uh, thank you so much uh, for retweeting it and for sharing on your on your social media um and thanks so much for staying and listening as well yes you can also send us your feedback to hear your thoughts on the air with us. You can head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and you can send us a voicemail there or you can email through at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Mm-hmm. First up, we have an email from Coffee and Vodka who had this to say. Greeting fellow dildo dueling defenders. <laughs> now, there's something I never thought I'd write. In so many ways, the best episode of the season so far. Homelander consolidating power, even over Starlight and Stan Edgar. Butcher and the boys at the nadir with their weapons of superhero destruction. The parent myth. And Kimoko seemingly dead. Billy, a grounded Homelander. And Huey's the Flash more ways than one <laughs> the curveball of a train going from attempted social justice soup to double dealing dupe the death of a former boy band teen idol mm-hmm. and the return to life of a homicidal captain america with also buns of steel of course and it looks like that new supply of blood they ordered was used up in one installment so much packed into a single show with an ending which makes a week's waiting something to whine about. Just wow. Mm -hmm. And just one question. How does Homelander, an employee, however superpowered he might be, become chairman? Surely there's a corporate pecking order. Five mind F-U-C-Ks out of five. Fine, don't use it. Five hungry hamsters out of five. Oh, yes. 
Your favourite moment from last week's episode, Chris, the Hungry, hungry hamsters. hamsters. It was, <laughs> again, it's just sassy animals. Yep. Does it for me every time. You love them. You love them. Um, how does Homelander an employee become uh, become the chairman? Uh, because everybody's too scared to tell him he's not really the chairman. So uh, you see yeah. in this episode, he's actually not. He hasn't changed his position. He's just put Ashley there and he's actually sitting in the chairman's seat and <laughs> leading everything. So in everything but name, I guess, uh, he's now the head of Vought, but in full control. Always, always. And uh, you mentioned uh, Jansen Ackles uh, also having buns of steel in episode four. Um, episode four of uh, of the boys was released about twelve hours after it was supposed to. Massive problems um, on Prime Video releasing the episode. Uh, when it did come back, they did joke that it was uh, it was Jensen Ackles' ass that had broken uh, broken Prime Video for them. So uh, finally, broken the internet. It is. You <laughs> now have Chris Evans being America's ass and Jensen Ackles being the vault. America's ass. There you go. So who do you believe? <laughs> Are you a Chris Evans Marvel ass of America or Jensen Eccles voice ass of America? It's a hard choice. Your choice, America. Yeah, it's it's a hard choice, but I'm glad we don't have to make it. We can oh, just appreciate can both, enjoy Chris. both asses. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> both, all four cheeks. <laughs> Thanks so much, Coffee and Vodka. Uh, over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash TV podcast industries. Uh, we got some feedback on our spoiler posts uh, for episode three. Uh, Heather Wallace says that episode was worth the wait just for that solid gold flashback at the beginning of the episode i absolutely used to watch that show in the 80s and would try out my solid uh, solid gold dancer moves soldier boys version of rapture really was solid gold and that was the only time in the episode i breathed normally the rest of the time i was either holding my breath breathing deeply to try and stay calm or hiding behind my hands i did not expect alex's fate so much for a love triangle and I'm not sure who I despise more for currying Homelander's favour. Is the Deep or is it A-Train? I have to include Ashley as another despicable, self-interested lackey. As soon as Stan Edgar showed public affection for Victoria before the press conference, I knew something was going to change. But I'm sure this isn't the last we'll see of him. He's far too Machiavellian to be bested. Will he team up with Mallory? Or does he have another contingency plan? I thought Homelander would throw him out of the window and admired him for being so calm and contemptuous. The only slight hope I have is that Kimiko didn't die outright, so maybe she will survive to the next episode. Well, good news, Heather. She did survive, which is excellent. And I love that you give credit for for Homelander not throwing someone out of a window. <laughs> yeah. This is what the boys has pushed us to. Um, he didn't kill anybody, so I guess that makes him okay. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> oh, he did good this episode. Um, I do like your idea about Stan Edgar. I, that there is potential mm-hmm. that he may join with Mallory, and that could be a that he joins with the CIA to uh, essentially um, take down Homelander. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, absolutely. To exert his control in a different way, maybe. Yeah. Um, as for the Solid Gold song from uh, from Jensen Eccles' Homelander, uh, once again, the X-Ray has the full version of it uh, available for you to watch. I think I watched it about seven times while I was watching, while I was writing my notes the other day. Uh, I good. love it. Wow. I, I genuinely, because of his delivery of the lines and how crazy they were, I actually had to go and check out the Blondie song to see if those were definitely the original lyrics because they feel like they're written by somebody on so much drugs, <laughs> which they probably were. Um, yeah, I was going to say, wait, hold on, it's Blondie. Of course they were back then. Yeah, it's it's uh, about eating cars. And when you uh, when you have finished eating cars, then you go on to eating other things. It's 
mental and I love how well delivered it was it really did feel like that William Shatner moment um, of William Shatner the orator doing his his songs on TV uh, so loved it really really good another another great comedy moment for the boys thanks so much Heather thanks so much Heather another piece of feedback we received was from Dr. Bob's fellows who had this to say it can only be the boys that had an episode I can only imagine it was titled Death by Dildo until minutes before release. Probably. Yeah, very much so. Episode four is continuing to mostly keep blurring the lines between goody and baddie. No one is unscathed in this episode, except perhaps Stan Edgar. I did enjoy the development of a usually unseen aspect of PR management with Ashley. <laughs> yes, uh, very true characteristic. Or in this case, dildo, yeah. I guess, is uh, is one of the uh, the PR management <laughs> tactics uh, that yeah. may be used. Chris, you worked in PR for years. Any truth? I'm not prepared to uh, <laughs> answer this question about how we use what types of sticks we use. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Thank you so much, Dr. Bob. We got some feedback in from Parthenia Dupree Locklear, who says, Good episode. A-Train, so predictable. I knew Alex would die, but didn't expect it so soon. The hamster stole the show. <laughs> Another fan of the hamster there for Chris as well. Uh, well done, Parthenia. Uh, yeah, I just didn't expect Alex to go that quickly either. Um, it was really a real surprise seeing uh, him taken out this early in the season. He seemed to uh, be, I guess, it's taking away uh, Starlight's friends, I guess, is what, what they're doing. Alan Kingsley says, I agree with Derek. Victoria is simply trying to protect her daughter by making her as strong as possible. Obviously, that's no guarantee, as we've seen with Supersonic, but it's the best she can do. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of where I'm where I'm sitting with it. That that's where Victoria is uh, with trying to protect her daughter by giving her powers, kind of similar to what I guess Butcher is doing and you are doing because they think it'll give them that extra edge that they can have. You know, uh, David Mister Ryder says. So remember last season when I, when they said Homelander would be unhinged and super psycho? I honestly didn't imagine it would be a controlled spiral. Like you're seeing him unraveling, but it's also controlled chaos. This show is so well written, honestly. Excellent. Thanks for that, David. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's surprising everybody, really, I think. Um, I think that's the, the fun part about it, isn't it? That's, uh, the show knows how to pull the rug out from under you and lots more to come as the season goes on. Thanks, David. We also got an email in from Jerry who says, Hey guys, this episode should have been called Death by Dildos. Kimiko killing those guys was hilarious. Butcher's becoming Machiavellian in his ways, calling Kimiko a weapon was very demeaning. Huey is now drunk on power. Soldier Boy is now the weapon to kill Homelander? Speaking of Homelander, killing Supersonic was brutal, but think he had Black Noir do his dirty work. I'm afraid Queen Maeve will be done for by the end of the next episode. Why would these guys talk at Vault Terror when Homelander can hear everything? He probably heard Supersonic talking to A-Train, and then asked A-Train in Homelander style what he knows. I have a theory that the Deep's wife is pulling all the strings. She's a soup that's a mind manipulator. Butcher and Homelander are the biggest dildos in this episode. Jerry in Niceville. <laughs> I like that, Jerry. I like that. Um, that's really interesting. The Deep's wife could be a mind manipulator. Hmm. Uh, I didn't even think of the fact that she could have superpowers. I just think because Deep is so um, manipulatable, I guess. Uh, he's a bit of an idiot uh, who kind of does whatever anybody tells him to do so that he can get his way, I suppose. And now he's back in the seven. He's going to continue to listen to her. So, um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's where I am uh, with the Deep's wife. Excellent stuff. Finally, Steve Brown is back from his holidays. He's been off on holidays for a couple of weeks and is catching up at the moment. So he sent us in his voicemail thoughts on The Boys Season 3 so far. Hello, TV Podcast Industries. This is Steve. And I just, I have to say, I love this season of The Boys. I'm loving um, 
<laughs> podcasting on it myself, but also listening to y'all's uh, podcast of it for sure is just amazing. This season they have done – it's so incredible to think that they've gotten better each season. Like season one was good. I'm not saying it wasn't. Season two raised the bar and then season three begins these just these first five, four, five – Three, four, how many episodes it's been? I've been on vacation and back and uh, trying to do multiple episodes and, and multiple watches. And it's just amazing uh, what they've done with this season of The Boys. I love uh, Jensen Ackles. He is a, a favorite of mine. He's been a favorite of mine since the beginning of Supernatural. I watched Supernatural from the beginning because there were so many X-Files um, creators and producers involved in that show and throughout that show you so i can't wait to see more of that influence here in the boys i love seeing um oh my god why am i blanking on his name bobby singer he's had the same name in every in every show and i'm totally blanking on the actor i'm so sorry but uh he's an amazing actor to be in both of these shows i can't wait i hope we get to see some more x-files alum as well in the boys all right uh thanks guys again for your coverage can't i love hearing you uh talk about it and uh, can't wait to hear your thoughts talk to you later Excellent. Thanks, Steve. Uh, yeah, John's going to be in the same position when he gets back from his holidays, uh, having to catch up on all the shows we're covering as well. Uh, so uh, hopefully it'll be fun to binge on all the stuff, as, as much fun as you've been having. Uh, yeah, great to see Jim Beaver over here. Uh, he's uh, the the actor who played uh, Bobby Singer on um, Supernatural, so he's he's in The Boys as well. He's been in right from the start of the of the first season and was always a big presence in Supernatural as well, so uh, great to have him on the show. And uh, great to hear from you, Steve. Hopefully you enjoy the rest of the season as much as we've been enjoying as well that's it for the feedback thanks very much to everybody who's been sending in their feedback you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any of your thoughts about any of the shows that we're covering particularly the boys Uh, you can also go onto our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries and share your thoughts over there on the spoiler posts for each of the shows that we're covering that's it that's the end of our discussion about the boys season three episode five the last time to look on this world of lies thanks so much for listening along with us thanks so much for getting in contact with us uh, make sure you send your emails into feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your thoughts about this episode as well uh, really want to hear your thoughts yes we'll be back next week to talk about the boys season three episode six mm-hmm. oh yes it's gonna be a good one and we'll be back on our feeds, continuing with our coverage of Miss Marvel, which is currently airing on Disney Plus. That's right. And that's episode two of the show. And I know you've watched the first episode of Miss Marvel. I know you weren't able to do the podcast because you're obviously in New York, as we said. Um, what did you think of, of the first episode of Miss Marvel? Really enjoyed it. Excellent. I really enjoyed it. It reminded me a lot of John Watts and his kind of very first um, Spider-Man mm-hmm. um, um, back homecoming it gave me that feeling that style yes but it was different it was it's very much a teen comedy and I forgot I was watching a teen comedy in the MCU until she got powers yes uh, it was very much just a fun teen comedy romp and it's set for that age group but it's, uh, there's still also some there's some elements in there for um for the MCU fans there's elements in there for non-MCU fans mm-hmm. um, and it, it's just a a joy to watch i'm yeah. looking forward to episode two and it's a nice palate cleanser after uh the blood uh splatter of uh, of the boys as well so I'm glad we're covering those two shows uh, at the same time yes that's yeah, fun to do speaking of shows 
we are also going to be covering a third show because we are sadistic and really want to challenge our time. Yes, we are covering Umbrella Academy Season Mm 3, which is starting on Netflix. Uh, So watch our feeds. Get ready for that. It comes out at the end of June. Mm -hmm. Make sure you are ready, boys and girls. Get watching. If you have not watched Season 1 and 2 of the Umbrella Academy, you still have a bit of time to binge it between now and when the show launches later in June. Exactly. So get watching. Yeah, and as normal with uh, with our shows that are dumped on Netflix, since everything comes out in the same day, we'll probably be doubling up on episodes. Um, for Umbrella Academy, we usually do, I think, two episodes or maybe even three um, per podcast for the show because it's all out in one day. So uh, easier easier to watch and easier to, uh, to chat about multiple episodes uh, from Netflix. So uh, lots to talk about, lots to discuss. Really looking forward to, uh, to the shows that are coming up and really looking forward to continuing the boys as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Bye-bye.